Hello, and welcome to episode 201 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Jody B., Tracy S., and Rocio C. to the Modern Manager podcast membership. As a friendly reminder, I am celebrating my 200th episode with 20% off all annual memberships. If you haven't yet considered joining, maybe now is the perfect time. Head on over to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more about the member perks and use code CELEBRATE200 to get that discount, but you must join before May 1st. The link and the discount code are in the show notes. Today's guest is Emily Esterly. Emily has nearly 15 years of experience in roles spanning HROD, corporate strategy, economic development, workforce development, and corporate sustainability. At Gojo, her HROD and enterprise strategy roles have focused on advancing innovative ways of working across the highly collaborative networked organization to ensure the company stays adaptive as it grows in a highly complex and ever-changing world. Her aim is to ensure both teams and individuals at Gojo reach their full potential, thriving personally and professionally, and delivering on the company's purpose of saving lives and making life better out in the world. Emily and I talk about Gojo's new work ecosystem that they're currently rolling out, They developed the system to address new ways of collaborating, including flexible work, and bringing the organization into the future. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. I am so excited for this conversation, Emily. I feel like I've been on the fringes of this work ecosystem because of the work that I've done with Gojo over the past couple of years and getting to work with you. And this is actually going to be like my first exposure to the depth and the brilliant thinking that's come out of all that work. So I can't wait to dig in. Great. Me too. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here today. All right. So let's start by framing what is the work ecosystem. Just give us the high-level overview, and then we'll we'll dig into the different pieces and, and how you got there. But just what is this concept of work ecosystem that you and the team at Gojo have been developing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we talk about the work ecosystem, what we're really talking about is sort of the interconnected set of ways of working, tools, and spaces that we all need to thrive at Gojo. And that's thriving as individuals, as teams, and really as an organization in delivering our purpose uh, out in the world, which is saving lives and making life better through well-being solutions. All right, so we all need a work ecosystem basically, right? Like every organization probably needs some way of being in the world so that our teams can work effectively and our people can do well and our businesses can achieve their purpose. So what about the work ecosystem that you've developed is new or different or unique or kind of why did you go down this path of trying to create a new work ecosystem rather than letting the kind of just, my guess, organic way of many organizations running just kind of be in existence? Yeah. So let me let me tell you a little bit about this moment that we were in when we when we decided to launch this work ecosystem effort, um, because I think it helps sort of set the stage for where we are. So 
So prior to the pandemic, Dojo had this really rich tradition and history of, um, of being really collaborative. Uh, and, and all of our ways of working, all of the, the tools and templates that we used, um, and even our office space was really designed to facilitate that. So for example, we had no, no personal offices. We had an open space headquarters that was really about promoting abundant flow of information, rich interactions, sort of constant bumping into each other across, across functions. And really what it had created was a, as a situation where a lot of the collaboration that took place was in person um, at our headquarters facility. And so we had lots of meetings all the time. And really this collaboration was, was part of our secret sauce. So when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden there was sort of this tremendous demand for our products um, and we needed to you know, figure out how to keep everybody safe. So we, we had to sort of spread out the folks who needed to stay on site, send everybody we possibly could sort of out of the building to, to work from home. We were able to do that really quickly in this really disrupted environment with very little disruption to our business because we were so practiced at collaborating in this way. And when, when that pandemic occurred, we realized that we were reaching this pivotal moment that our ways of working as they had been up until that point couldn't stay the same. So um, even without this sort of interest in, in new degrees of virtual work, we were already in a place where we were adding facilities in Northeast Ohio. We had sales folks all over the country and world, um, and we needed to be able to collaborate across all of these different places versus sort of flying or driving to our headquarters facility to be in the room. And so early on in, in 2020, we made the decision, you know, while we were in the midst of sort of running our operations 24-7, that we would also reimagine what our ways of working would be beyond the pandemic um, and, and not just ask sort of how do we go back to the way things were before, but ask what really should be um, in the future and then give ourselves sort of time and space to, to figure it out. And we knew it had to be a combination of keeping all that was really good um, and, and sort of essential about our collaborating and figuring out how to do it across all of the places that we were now, now working going forward. I, I love this description of like we'd outgrown our old ways or our old ways had served us really well, but it was a moment to look forward and say, what are the new ways that are going to allow us to take how we've grown and our, our all the new technology and really like step into the future in such a thoughtful way? And I, I know that there are so many organizations that are struggling with that exact same situation, especially with the pandemic. I mean, it's kind of amazing that Gojo was already there pre-pandemic. They were already starting to think about these kind of new ways of working. But for so many organizations, the pandemic was the prompt to say, okay, so I, we, you know, I got people who are working from home and some people don't want to come back to the office. And, oh, what are we going to do? All these Zoom meetings are so terrible. Like, do we still even need meetings? And, <laughs> right, and all of those things. So, you know, this is like a real live problem for so many teams and organizations to be thinking about not how do we just go back to what was, but as you said, how do we design for the future that will actually enable us to do more, better, more effectively, and with like better human centeredness in all of that? Absolutely. So let's talk about the process that you used to figure this out, because <laughs> there's this was a, a long and deep effort, I know, because everything at Gojo is a <laughs> long and deep effort in the best ways. So tell me a little bit about how you you know, went from, okay, this is something we need to do to where you are now with having this model and implementing. 
Yeah, definitely. So, so as you're sort of alluding to, the Gojo way is to fall in love with the problem and not the solution. And we really wanted to bring all of, all of the innovation that we're normally bringing uh, to to our solutions for the outside world and really sort of turn that inward and and use it on our own behalf, which which frankly hasn't hasn't been new to us. Gojo's been been sort of on the cutting edge of of ways of working for decades. But for this case, you know, we really paused and said we are not going to create a rush situation in which we sort of put a, a quote-unquote return to office date out there and sort of have to, to be crunched to some sort of timeline and instead we said we're, we're gonna we're gonna pause the whole thing and really do some thoughtful strategic design work um, and so we we thought about what we needed that future state to be um, it, it, we knew it would ha- have you know components of ways of working physical spaces digital tools to it we used leadership interviews, focus group, employee surveys to really shape our strategy, and um, you know that was a that was a sprint that we did at the beginning of 2021. And at the end of it, what we had really was was a really good hypothesis about what we thought that future should look like. But then we wanted to spend some real time testing it. So we spent April through September of last year piloting all of these new ways of working tools, space types with hundreds of teams and uh, team members across Gojo and refining rapidly along the way. So it was sort of this rapid prototyping model that we we stole from our, our innovation side of the house. And what we came out with in October, when we were sort of ready to tell team members what this was going to look like, was a much better um, and, and, and tested sense of what we would need to get this started. And we, we have been communicating from the beginning of this that, that even though we would start implementing in 2022, so January began our, our implementation phase, we were going to continue thinking about these as sort of great working prototypes that we would continue making better as we learn more. Because frankly, nobody can predict exactly how this is all going to you know, pan out here as we as we head into this future. Um, so we've got we've got a really strong starting point that we think we can continue to, to refine and make even better as we live into it. Can you share a couple of the insights or findings from your research? I mean, I know Gojo is a unique organization, you know, as many organizations are, you know, they have their own things. But can you share for us, just give us some ideas of like, what did you discover? And then how did that impact your thinking or kind of what did it lead into in terms of experiments and prototypes? Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple of things I think that are, are unique about what we came up with and a ton that we learned, but I'll just share a couple of them. So so one is we knew going into this that this couldn't be a one-size-fits-all model because we're a manufacturing company. We've got folks in labs, on plant floors, on the road with customers. We've got office-based roles in, in you know, strategy, finance, HR, IT. So we had to design something that could be best matched to the work to be done by specific roles as opposed to sort of one, one overarching solution. And it was really important to us that, that the ways of working that we were designing would, would be best fit for that work as opposed to um, driven solely by either manager or team member preference. So we came up with a model that sort of breaks down what's all the stuff that we do and what are the best best ways to get that stuff done? From where can you get that stuff done? When can you get that stuff done? And and that's what really gave our model and the role types that we designed, everything from mostly virtual to mostly on-site with, with some blended roles in between, um, it gave them some shape that was really based in, in sort of 
what's the stuff you have to get done every day? And then within those role types, people can find um, working with their managers room for room for personal preference. But it was really important to us that sort of the work to be done was was the first consideration um, for the design. A couple of other things that we learned that have just been, you know, just a true sort of um, uh, never would have predicted it moment for us along the way here. So one is in this new world, hybrid meetings are inevitable. It is really hard to get literally everyone in the room together anymore because inevitably someone wakes up sniffly or runs into a travel problem or maybe has a customer visit that day. And we decided that that really shouldn't stop us from gathering when we need to. We just need to be prepared for last minute dial-ins. Um, and it shouldn't stop folks who happen to be on site together from jumping into otherwise virtual conversations from, from conference rooms. So one of the things that, that's going to really take some practice is for folks to just feel feel natural in doing that, um, as, as natural as dialing the phone used to be, right? Um, but I'm pretty pretty confident that that we can get there. And then maybe the third one that I'll just say is that you know managing in this new world is really going to be an exercise in inclusive leadership um, and thinking about what each experience is like from the perspective of somebody who's mostly on site, who's mostly virtual, or who's who's blended in their role. It's really easy to default to what your own experience and, and role type is, but we could end up with folks feeling really left out at either end of the virtual or on-site spectrum if we don't design um, our ways of working with everyone in mind and pressure test them from from all those different um, perspectives. Oh my gosh, I love all of these. I want to I want to try to like <laughs> dive into each one in more detail. So, can you tell us a little bit more about these the four profile types just so we can like really picture them in our heads and then I want to talk more about virtual meetings and this inclusive leadership. So, what are these four types? Yep. So, first of all, keep in mind that this is this applies to the folks who were in historically office-based roles who did some portion of their work at a desk or a computer and have some uh, some aspects of their work that that you know have have a little bit of variability in either um, place or time, right? So, uh, so it's not, for example, sort of direct manufacturing and distribution folks who are 100% on site. So, in these office roles, um, we've got mostly on-site roles, which would be folks who are 80% or more on-site. Uh, typically, they are. Um, They've, they need proximity to special equipment. So think um, folks in our labs, also supply chain leadership, also sort of key on-site functions in, in, in safety or supervision of those teams. So we've got some of our folks in HR and workplaces, our facilities folks, um, those sorts of things. They need, they need a lot of daily access to things that live on-site to get their jobs done. At the other end, we've got mostly virtual roles, which can do 80% or more of what they, actually 90% or more of what they do from anywhere. Uh, this includes most of our sales folks, but also a lot of roles that, that involve a lot of um, data crunching, a lot of collaboration that, that is fine to happen across Microsoft Teams meetings or, or maybe even in, in meeting free, you know, asynchronous types of collaboration. And then in the middle, we have two blended roles. Uh, blend, we call them blended weekly and blended monthly. And really what defines those is we've got a set of work that we call milestone moments. Think like deep dive, working sessions, um, project kickoffs, 
key relationship building moments, et cetera, um, that, that we still believe are really best to happen in person. Teams meetings just won't cut it. They're typically longer and less frequent sessions. Um, and those in blended roles are on so many project teams or, or um, cross-functional teams that they've got a lot of those milestone moments bringing them in. So um, in blended weekly roles, we expect that they'd be in sort of 40 to 60% of the time for those types of milestone moments. In blended monthly roles, it's more in the couple times a month range. So that's the that's the four categories and again like where you land is all based on what's the what's the very specific your work your role has to do. That it's super helpful to like imagine these different kinds of roles and what they need. And then you also mentioned that there's some employee choice. So are managers working directly with their team members so that if someone says, "Yeah, I could be uh, you know, on the virtual side, because that's what my work equipment, you know, needs are. But really, I actually like prefer to be on site because, you know, I, I want to leave. I want to like be in a different environment. <laughs> I don't want my toddler running around because they're not in daycare. And I don't want like and I actually just want to be around other people and colleagues, even if they're not my direct team members. So is how much flexibility are you building into this at all? Yeah. So so this is actually something that's really different about our model, which is the distinction about which role type you're in is solely based on the work to be done, not on manager or team member preference. It's actually like a pretty quantitative exercise that says, you know, which um, we've got a we've got a model of different types of work, and, and we're sort of estimating how much of your work falls into the you know category of of focus work or day to day collaboration that can be done from anywhere. How much of your work falls into site specific work or milestone moments that need to to happen on site, and therefore you know you can kind of imagine a heat map that says, okay, your role type should be one of those four things that I mentioned. And we actually don't allow personal preference to switch between one or the other of those those roles. The only scenario in which we make make an exception to that is um, we know there are folks for whom working from home is just not a viable option. It would be sort of an unsolvable problem for, for a range of potential reasons. Those folks can opt into the mostly on-site category, but then would be expected to sort of live by the mostly on-site norms, which is 80% of the time. So, so four or more days a week, you'd expect be expected to be on-site, but you'd also get the designated desk. You'd also sort of be able to, to count on that if, if home just really wasn't an option for you. But otherwise, picking a role type um, is, a, is a truly work-based um, process. Then to bring sort of personal preference into the equation, we encourage managers and team members to work together sort of within the norms of that role type to find the flexibility that works. So let me give you a specific example on the, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the mostly on-site side. So maybe we have folks in the lab who have lab-based roles who need to be on-site uh, you know, four days a week, but it turns out that one day a week they can do um, data crunching from home, right? So figuring out what that one day a week is, is sort of a conversation between them and their manager to sort of match the specific work they have to do. Or maybe there are folks who are in sort of blended roles who have some degree of, of personal preference that can choose which of the days are the days that they'll be in. They can set up with their teams, you know, what are the right ways to, to time our milestone moments to be on site that sort of work with life as well as with, with work requirements and that sort of thing. But it's not the choice of role type. It's sort of within the, in the parameters set by the role type. I mean, I'm imagining that there are some people listening who are like, oh, that feels overly restricted. And then there's other people who are like, 
oh, that makes it so much easier because I don't have to have these debates with my team member now about like which category do they fall on. It's like, no, this is the formula we use. This is how we have arrived. This is, you know, here's the flexibility you have within this. And that can be really helpful when you've got team members who are asking to be virtual, but really they need to be on site or team members who really, you know, don't want to be at home and really could be in the office. Like I, this doesn't, it makes a lot of sense to use a system rather than a like one-off approach with each in person, with, with each person. So I want to talk next about meetings since this is my favorite subject and you <laughs> brought it up about these new kind of hybrid collaborative meeting spaces and how do we make that work? And I'm wondering if you have any tips or tricks because I think you're totally right. That like the new reality is that hybrid meetings are here to stay and no one's really figured this out perfectly. And we, we have yeah. a long ways to go. So I'm just curious if you have any tips or tricks that you've discovered in your experimentation that have really been helpful. Yeah, it, I mean, so this is a this is definitely a work in progress for all of us. But I'll share a couple of things that have been helpful. So one is to design design with in person and virtual participants in mind from the from the start. Even if you're intending for the the experience to be, even if it's a milestone moment that you really want everybody to come together. Like I mentioned, like inevitably day of, you know, something's going to go wrong for somebody and they're going to want to be able to connect in from afar instead. And um, and so if you thought ahead to like, okay, how would we do what we want to be able to do all together in person, but include somebody who was dialing in, um, you can sort of get ahead of, of some of the ways in which they might otherwise feel left out. And I'll give you an example of a recent HR all hands that we did. So we actually, we had a deep dive on, on diversity, equity, and inclusion and exercise planned um, for, for this morning. And we had a, a team member who's who ran into car trouble on the way in. We had somebody who needed to be at another facility for, for an event uh, later that day. And so in this exercise that we had planned, we had everybody in the room standing in a big circle. And the whole exercise was about sort of taking a step in if you could answer yes to some of the get to know you questions that our, our facilitator was asking. And so what we did was we actually joined the meeting from a cell phone from the Microsoft Teams app on a cell phone to turn on video. So think much like you would do for you know a FaceTime call or whatever. And we made the virtual folks a part of our circle. We had we had their images up on the wall on one of the screens. We made that one end of the circle. We added a, just a cell phone camera pointed at the at the circle, you know, next to them. So it was almost like they were there in the room with us. We asked them to sort of stand up at their desks too, so they could sort of see the circle as it was happening. We could see them. And when when we asked the questions, you know, they were able to to take a step into the center um, as well. Another tip we've learned is, you know, to have somebody responsible in the room for being sort of the liaison to the folks who are who are outside of the room. So watching, you know, if you've got a meeting chat or a hand raise function and whatever virtual meeting tool you're using, watching for those things and sort of giving voice to them, finding ways to to project the images of the folks up on the wall if you can, so you can, you know, have them sort of constantly front of front of mind. And then maybe my final tip on it is, um, this sounds super boring, but at the end of the day, it often just comes down to, to good audio and thinking about where where do you have videos turned on, right? So we do a we do a trick that's actually sort of doesn't require a lot of you know fancy capital investment or or whatever. We use conference phones for our for our audio, but join in on our laptops uh, to get video on each of the in room participants, um, so that if you're if you're from afar, you're still seeing individual faces. 
and and sort of hearing everybody in the in the room. So those are just some of the some of the many hybrid meeting tricks we've discovered. I love these. I. I really love the way that you were able to take an activity that was physical and enable people not only to participate from afar, but also to like see the experience. So I I love those like creative ways of, of being inclusive of people who are, are calling in. And I mean, like all these other little tricks, right? Like they're just, they're so important to, to just try and experiment and keep you know, just keep exploring as technologies evolve, as ways of working evolve, and you know, just don't don't just blame all meetings for being bad meetings. <laughs> so, okay, that's my plug for like meetings should be good meetings. Plan them appropriately. Design your agenda. Take good notes, etc. Okay, absolutely. Next up, <laughs> I could talk about meetings all day, as you know. All right, so I was going to go into this inclusive leadership concept, but I actually want to take a step back. And say, you know, for people who are listening now and thinking, wow, I wish my company would do this big kind of work ecosystem thinking, but I don't, I'm not either, I'm not in a position to do that, or wow, this feels like a really big lift, and I'm not sure that we have the capacity to to invest in this kind of thinking. What are some of the small things that you would recommend or the small steps that people could take to just get started down this path? Maybe take some of the lessons that you've learned and start applying them either to their team or to their organization or their department. Yeah, you know, so in some ways, a lot of this gets advanced by leaning into much better available um, digital collaboration tools in sort of your day-to-day teaming that that's already happening. So, and, and when we think about daily teamwork and how, you know, um, digital tools can enhance it. it. It really is everything from um, how do we lean into great sort of document storage and file sharing practices? How do we use tools like Microsoft Team or Zoom or whatever your whatever your collaboration technology is, not just for video calls, but for um, for communication and teaming? Um, how do we gather input in shared documents or survey tools or um, or things like that instead of always defaulting to meetings as, as sort of the only way to, to collaborate. And, and in some ways, just looking for opportunities to enhance collaboration with some of these digital tools, um, even without tackling this bigger picture, I think helps sort of push organizations along the curve of realizing what really needs to happen in the same place and in the same time versus what are the kinds of things that actually may be even better advanced by people um, having some time outside of those sort of uh, in-person meetings to to be able to push work forward. Um, So so that's probably where I would start. Um, You know, if you're in an organization where people are still sending around attachments instead of links, for example, and asking for feedback, um, that's like one super low-hanging fruit opportunity because once people discover that they can collaborate in live documents and sort of push something forward, you get a whole bunch of time back that you were you were losing to sort of version control or to having to have you know, editing of things or de- development of deliverables happening in, in meetings because you weren't able to, to sort of manage the... Um, manage the document logistics beforehand. So I'm not sure if that kind of gets at your gets at your question, but that's probably where where I would start because it builds it builds the case for the kinds of collaboration that don't have to happen in a single conference room together. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is like a perfect next step for people is to just take a look at your collaboration tools, which by the way, I just did an episode on synchronous and asynchronous work. So if you're listening, you should go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. But these tools, right, this is what allows us to have flexible work schedules, to have effective remote teaming, right? We can't do those things without these tools. So I love that that's a great place to start is to just say, are we optimized? Are we using the right tools in the right ways that can give us the ability to have hybrid meetings work, to manage documents in an efficient manner, et cetera? So awesome. All right. We are running out of time as we always do. So (laughs) Emily, can you tell me about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a great boss? Yeah, totally. So, you know, I was thinking about this and I mean, I have worked for a lot of great managers in my career, um, but the thing that has stood out to me in terms of the the best experiences I've had um, has been, I've learned so much from the example that they set instead of the stuff that they sort of were explicitly telling me. Um, And the ones who recognized this and then were really intentional about the example that they were setting um, really had the strongest and most positive impact on on how I work and lead now. Um, And and a really specific example that comes to mind is, um, so I've worked for folks who have worked around the clock and folks who, you know, who made sure to take time and pause and recharge with their family. Um, And what I've discovered is um, if you work around the clock yourself, most of the time, you sort of set that expectation for your team. Whereas if you take those pauses to, to recharge, you know, most of the time you give your team permission to do that. And what I found is, you know, when I take those pauses and and sort of feel like I have permission, but then also do it myself, I've, I've found that I'm actually way more effective in the long run because uh, I come to work with a clearer head and focus and can much better tackle the to-do list that otherwise would have been, you know, keeping me up all night. So um, I'm just really appreciative of, of the managers that I've had who have lived that example, um, not just sort of said that they want want folks to take time, but I've really sort of put it into practice themselves because I feel like that's really the only way that it's created permission for for me uh, to be able to do the same. Yeah, such a good reminder that our team members are watching us, right? They're <laughs> not just listening, but they're watching. And where can people learn more about Gojo's work ecosystem? Yeah, so we have an article that actually I think is on the homepage of our Gojo website now, um, but but can link to it too if helpful. Uh, There's an article and a little video where we describe more about the model that um, folks can access. Awesome. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Emily. So fun to talk with you and to get to learn more about this incredible new work ecosystem that Gojo is putting into place. Absolutely. This has been great. Thanks so much for having me. Emily has made available a one-pager that captures the key ideas from their work ecosystem. This document is available to members of the Modern Manager community at the Sprout level or above. To join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And don't forget, if you sign up for an annual plan, you get 20% off through the end of April using the code CELEBRATE200. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M E E T E O R.com.
You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.